Good morning. Open with me and your Bibles to John chapter 20. We're currently uh, wrapping up our series uh, in John. Uh, we'll close out this year uh, finishing this series. And what we're looking at during this Christmas season as we wrap that up is, is the, the gift of the resurrection and how that gift plays out in the lives of the people that Jesus interacts with in the Gospel of John after his resurrection. So this morning we want to look at Jesus' gifts to his disciples, because this is the uh, meeting of Jesus, the first meeting of Jesus and his disciples uh, after his glorious resurrection. So we'll begin reading in verse 19, Uh, we'll read to verse 29. says this on the evening of that day the first day of the week the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the jews jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the lord jesus said to them again peace be with you As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger Here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So this morning I want us to look at God's gift to his disciples. God's gift to his disciples was the reality of His resurrection, which changed everything for them. The first gift I want us to look at is Jesus' gift, uh, is the gift of peace. Uh, Jesus gives the gift of peace to His disciples. The Bible points out here, John points out for us here, that the doors were locked. They are locked because they were scared of the Jews. I mean, the Jews had put, put Christ to death, right? And so... Let's go ahead, the, the, the disciples feared that maybe they were saying, well, let's go ahead, let's finish it, let's go ahead and, and put to death his disciples. And so they were afraid, and so they locked, up, locked themselves up in a room. And when you're all locked up in a room, I don't know about how your life has gone, but it's not normal when you're locked in a room, the doors are shut, for someone just to appear. That, that doesn't happen. Someone will use a door if they're 
I guess, crazy, they might use a window. They're going to use some form of entrance into the room. They don't just suddenly appear, and yet that's exactly what happens in this instance. All the doors are locked, windows are shut, and Jesus just simply is suddenly there. Which is probably why he said, peace be with you. One of the reasons. Because he didn't want disciples jumping out the window. Because this is not a normal thing. He says to them, peace be with you. Now this was not an uncommon greeting. In fact, it's not even an uncommon greeting in our day. If you went to Jerusalem, they would talk about, hey, peace be with you as a greeting. But it, it would appear that there's much more behind Jesus saying this. He, he repeats it three times in this narrative. Peace be with you. And we know back in John 14, 27, this is what Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So as He's preparing them for His departure, He, he, he says, my, the peace I will leave with you. And again in John 16, 33, He says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take, take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus had promised to bring His disciples peace, and, and now that His work on the cross was done, and, and now that He has defeated death through re the resurrection, He has done everything needed to bring peace to His disciples. Now we know that, that this peace does not mean that the disciples' lives get easier. On the contrary, as they carry on the work of Christ, as they become leaders in this movement, life's going to get very, very difficult for them. In fact, we know, uh, at least from tradition, that the large majority, possibly all but one of the disciples, died as martyrs. They died for this movement. They were killed. And John, who uh, died of a old age, you know, he was exiled and he was boiled alive. You know, it, it didn't go too well for him either. In the world, they had tribulation, but even in that tribulation, they knew the peace of Christ because of His resurrection. They probably knew it more. They knew it more than any of us because of the tribulation that they endured as the leaders of the early church. Christian life is hard. Some of you find that the holidays that are supposed to be full of joy is they're actually quite difficult. Maybe it's that empty chair at Christmas. Maybe it's that strained relationship, that person you're going to have to see that you maybe would rather not see. Maybe it's just trying to make everybody happy and making all the, all the family gatherings. Maybe it's that effort to, to try not to go in debt to give your family the Christmas that you want to give them. And even any of that, is, there's small sufferings compared to the persecuted church around the world, right? That, are, that risk their lives 
by worshiping God. Know that because of the resurrection of Christ, Jesus says, peace be with you. That's why, despite all of the all of the things going on that can make Christmas a drag, or what's happening in your life in general that can be so difficult, Jesus would say to you, because of my resurrection, I tell you, peace be with you. Peace be with you. What a promise. The greatest thing that any of us have to fear is death, and Christ declared war on death, and He walked away from the grave resurrected. Christ made war with sin and death so that He could say to all of us, peace be with you. Jesus gives to all of His disciples peace through His glorious resurrection. Jesus also gives the gift of His scars to His disciples. After giving His greeting of peace, Jesus immediately shows the disciples His scars. It says in verse 20, when He had said this, He, he showed them His hands. He showed them his, his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I mean, why, why the wounds? Think about it. Why the wounds? If you're in a resurrected body that doesn't need to use doors, certainly you have the power to remove the wounds. Right? If you can appear to people, as we saw with Mary Magdalene last week, and we see in other instances of uh, the resurrection story, that if you can appear and before people and they don't even know who you are until you want them to know who you are. Like If you're in a body that can do all that, then cer- certainly those scars could be removed from sight. Many of us probably have a scar or two, right? Some of us may be self-conscious about them. It probably depends on how you acquired them. Like for me, my scars are monuments to my stupidity. Right? Uh, A misjudged barbed wire fence and uh, a bottle rocket from my brother that didn't go as we planned. They don't have great stories. None of my scars have great stories. And if I was Logan Brown, those are, those are stars, scars received in defending your country, defending your brothers in arms, and those are scars that, that have a, an amazing story to them. would probably feel different if I had those kind of scars. The scars of Christ are the most meaningful scars that have ever been inflicted. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. Though these scars were attained through great pain and suffering, they had brought great glory to God and they had brought mankind salvation. We just saw a couple of weeks ago, we saw them inflicting the wounds as a way to disgrace Christ. And now we see Him in His resurrection bearing those scars with great glory and, and beauty. These, these are my scars. Do you see them? This is what I've done. 
is what I've done for the glory of my Father and for the love of mankind. A pastor by the name of Edward Shalito, he was an English pastor during the turbulent times of World War I. This would have been a time where they were well acquainted with wounds. He wrote this poem on this subject. He said, If we have ever sought, we seek thee now. Thine eyes burn through the dark, our only stars. We must have sight of thorn pricks on thy brow. We must have thee, O Jesus, of the scars. The heavens frighten us, they are too too calm. In all the universe we have no place. Our wounds are hurting us. Where is our balm? Lord Jesus, by thy scars we claim thy grace. If when the doors are shut, thou drawest near, only reveal those hands the side of thine. We know today what wounds are. Have no fear. Show us thy scars. We know the countersign. The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to the throne. But to our wounds only God's wounds can speak. And not a God, uh, and not a God has wounds, but thou alone. Let me ask you something this morning. Do you know, do you know the God of the scars? Do you know Jesus of the scars? Do you know the one who took those nails in his hands for you? Do you know the one who took the spear in the side so that you might believe? You would know Him today if you would only believe, if you would run to Him, if you would trust Him. You would come to know Jesus of the scars. He he bears those. He bears those scars beautifully because of what they mean and what they made available to us. Next we see that Jesus gives the gift of purpose to His disciples. Can I ask you this morning, what is your purpose? Now because it's your pastor asking, you would probably say, my purpose is to glorify God. So the better question would be, if someone were to examine your life, they were to examine what you are about, what would they say the evidence points to being your ultimate purpose? Is it to build material wealth? Is it to raise kids that aren't awful? Is it to achieve happiness? What is your purpose? And let me ask you, how long will that purpose last after your death? Folks, if our ultimate purpose is not to know God and make God known, then can I say our purpose will die with us? Christ not only resurrected to give His disciples peace, He not only received His wounds to give them healing, He did all of that to bring them into an eternal purpose for their lives. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
Jesus does not make his disciples the recipients of his redemption. He, he brings his disciples into his plan. He doesn't just bring them as the recipients. He, he brings them into the plan to bring redemption to others. This harkens back to what he prayed, right, in, in, in the, the high priestly prayer in John 17 that we looked at uh, a, a while ago. He said this in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus Jesus' work on the cross is, is finished. His defeat of death, it is finished. But the mission, the world's experience of the ramifications of that finished work is just getting started. There are people in every tribe, tongue, and nation that are, are waiting to hear and respond to all those who live with the purpose of, of reaching them with the Gospel. Christian, to be a disciple of Christ is to be commissioned to gospel mission. It's not just the missionaries, folks. It's not just the pastors. Every Christian that is saved by grace has been commissioned to live with this purpose. To not live as one sent into the world for mission is to be disobedient to the Lord. You are sent with a purpose of proclaiming Christ's finished work to the world. You are sent into your workplace to proclaim the work of Christ. You are sent into your home to proclaim the work of Christ. You are sent into your neighborhood to proclaim the word of Christ. You are sent on mission trips to proclaim the work of Christ. It is our purpose. It is our, should be our ultimate purpose to proclaim the work of Christ. God gives us this great gift of eternal purpose. As we go about our lives, we are to go in the purpose of the mission of Christ. If our lives are infused with the purpose of knowing God and making Him known, then everything that we do in this life will echo in eternity. Jesus gives the gift next of equipping His disciples. He not only sends us on mission and tells us, He doesn't just tell us to go, he says, I'm going to equip you to go. He says in verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. When he, when he gives the great commission in, in Matthew, he follows it up that, what does he say? He says, I'm with you always. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the ends of the age. He is with us and He equips us. It says here that He, he breathed on them and promised them the Holy Spirit. One would be hard-pressed to overemphasize this moment. This, this, this moment of, of Jesus saying, hey, the Spirit that I promise, it's time. We see the Spirit uh, on Christ from the beginning and in Verses uh, chapter 1, verse 33. This is what John the Baptist says. I myself uh, did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, 
He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So at the very beginning, John says, the one that you see the Spirit come to and remain on, the one who baptizes in that Holy Spirit, that's the one. We see the Spirit throughout Jesus' ministry. John chapter 3, verse 34, For he who God has sent usher, utters the word, words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John six twenty seven. For on him the Father has set his seal. So throughout his ministry, what uh, the Spirit was there equipping and, and with Christ in empowering his ministry. And we see the Spirit promised uh, as as his time with the disciples winded down. Remember, he just kept saying, he talked about the paraclete, the one, the helper, the one that was going to come. He, uh, he just said this over and over as he began to prepare them for his absence. He says, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a helper for you. He's no longer, Jesus is no longer going to be limited physically by a physical body because he's going to send his spirit, Right? The same Spirit that was with Him is going to be with them and going to dwell with them and empower them in their lives and their mission. So Jesus is putting that, that, powerful, that powerful Spirit that accompanied His ministry, He's putting it in His disciples. And everyone who is saved and, and belongs to Christ, we have that Spirit so none of us can say, well, I can't do the ministry God's given me. Yes, you can. Because the same Spirit that is in Christ, the same Spirit that resurrected Christ, as the Scriptures say, lives in you. He's given you everything you need for your purpose. Christian, take courage. You do not go into the world alone. Let us step into the world with absolute confidence. To spread the fame of our Savior. And then he, he gives them authority. He tells them that they have a profound authority as they go into the world. He even granting them, those disciples, those first disciples, this almost the gatekeepers of, of his gospel and his forgiveness. So he's giving them everything they need for ministry. Equipping them for their purpose. Lastly, he gives, Jesus gives the gift of faith to his disciples. We have the story of Thomas and Thomas' belief in Christ. He was not in this initial meeting. He didn't, he didn't get to see the wounds the rest of the disciples got to see. And so Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I see the wounds. Not only that, I don't want to just see, I want to touch them. Until that happens, I'm not going to believe. Now Thomas gets this moniker of doubting Thomas placed on him, and I don't think it's all that fair. Pessimism seemed to be his struggle more than doubt generally. He didn't seem to doubt Jesus as much as he, he doubted good things happening. Back in, in John 11, we have this instance, and we have very few instances with 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 uh, Thomas mentioned in scripture, but but John eleven's one of them where he speaks up. 
And all the disciples are scared because they don't want to go back into Judea because they're scared because last time they went to Judea, they they want to kill Christ. And and so here's what John, here's what uh, Thomas says. It says, so Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I mean, he's not doubting Christ. He's just doubting this is all going to turn out okay. He's like, I will go. Hey, let's go die with him. Because that's what a pessimist believes. It's all going to go badly, but I'm going to be with him. But his belief in the resurrection seemed to fall victim to his pessimism. He's thinking, surely nothing this good could be true. Nothing ever goes that right. Thomas cannot entertain the thought of it being true because he can't bear the thought of how it would crush him if it wasn't true. Pessimist in the room, can you say amen to that? You can't even, I don't want to believe that it's true because if it's not true, I don't want to be crushed. That's Thomas. So what is Jesus' response to, to that? Does he get mad at Thomas's disbelief, reluctance to believe? No. Does he get hurt by Thomas's pessimism? No. The next time he sees Thomas, he says, "Hey Thomas, have at it, buddy. This is what you wanted. Here are the wounds, man. Let's get this belief going. Let's get your let's let's, let's, let's help you with what you need. You you need this, so let's do that." Jesus has no issues proving Himself to those who are genuinely seeking Him. He will give us what we need to believe in Him. If you're here and you're, you're reluctant to believe in Christ, can I just say, man, just keep seeking Him, asking Him to reveal Himself to you. Just keep seeking and He will show Himself true to you. And this moment leads to one of the most beautiful and simple confessions of Christ found in Scriptures. Thomas says, My Lord and my God. I love that. I love that because it's that the practical, My Lord, hey, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'm in. You're my Lord. You're my Master. Tell me whatever it is that I need to do in my life, and I will do it. I'm in absolute obedience to you. But then he says, My Lord and my God acknowledging that you are also supernatural that you are the son of god this this it's one of the greatest confessions in all of scripture from thomas and jesus just showed his wounds to him he gave him what he needed to do we needed and he confesses while Jesus had spoke cryptically of what was to come, after the resurrection, he just seems to take a direct approach. He, he shows up in, in the room and says, look guys, look at these holes. Hey, look at the spear. You understand what happened now? Do you get it? Do you get the resurrection? One of the disciples, that's not enough he wants to touch. He, he shows up to Thomas and says, hey, touch it, buddy. He just does what he needs to do to help them to believe, to turn them 
into full-fledged believers of the resurrection. And notice how Jesus replies to Thomas. This is very important, I think, for us. Because in this, in this instance, he's talking about us, folks. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, he's talking about you. This is what Jesus said to him. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. None of us have seen with physical eyes the wounds of our Savior. None of us have reached out and, and touched those wounds. And what Jesus says here to Thomas is, man, you, you've done, I've done everything to help you believe. And he says, but blessed, blessed are those people, that are, the generations that are going to come that are not going to see the evidence that you've seen and believed. I don't think he's so much reprimanding Thomas here as he's just telling us, hey, you're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed to be able to believe, to, to have the faith, to trust in Christ. What a great gift he has given us in showing himself to us to be true. Do you believe? Do you believe this morning? Do you credit yourself as, as one who has not seen and yet believed? What more could Christ possibly, what other gifts could he possibly give than things that he's given us in his suffering and in his resurrection? What more could he do for you? Receive the blessings of Christ by believing, though you have not seen. I'm going to ask our musicians to please come. I'm going to ask you to please stand. Maybe this morning you just want to spend some time just worshiping Christ for the gifts He's given us in the resurrection as those of us who are his disciples, maybe you need to respond because you're not a believer. You've never trusted Christ. Respond however God has placed on your heart this morning to respond. Let's pray. Dear really, Father, God, I thank you for the resurrection. God, I thank you for the fact that it changes everything. It changed everything for your disciples. It changes everything for us. I thank you for the wounds of your son and, and what they mean to us, what they purchased for us. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here who not believe, God, that they would believe before they leave here, that they may enjoy this season for the first time as a true believer in you. God, help us all to just worship you for who you are and what you've done through the cross and the resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.